0: Let's pray Heavenly Father we come to you today Lord and we just pray for this country for this nation we do not have to bring justice our own way you promised that wrath will be done by you that we just need to love each other So, Lord, I just pray as a church, as a nation, that we would learn to love each other well, that we wouldn't repay evil for evil, that we would truly look to you for truth and understanding, for love, for justice. Justice comes by you. I thank you for Dr. Martin Luther King, who said that one day I pray. That we won't be judged by the color of our skin, by the content, but by the content of our character. I pray for all those people who think it's the right thing to do to protest. It is a thing that you can do, but do it peacefully. Like Dr. Martin Luther King said. And so Lord, I just pray for this time, I pray for this nation that it's so divided. That it would actually look to you to find unity. Jesus, you are the only one who said, love your enemy. You've heard it said, hate your enemy, I tell you to love your enemy. So Lord, help us as a nation to find healing and truth in you, in your ways. Not in our ways, not leaning on our own understanding, but looking to you, looking to you because you are the one who make our path straight. So, Lord, I pray for this time. I pray for this sermon that if it's not mine or if it's not what you want me to say, take it from me. Don't allow me to say it, Lord. So I just pray honestly, God, that you would just be here, be in the midst of this time. As we come together, as we reopen our churches, Lord, be with us. Help us to love each other well, as we learn to love you well. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have been going through James, and I thank you for all of you who are back today. Welcome back. It's good to see you all. But we've been going through the book of James and James is the New Testament Proverbs. That's what it's kind of been deemed because there's very much practical living involved in the the New Testament book of James. And last week, we looked at things like quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick story, I had a friend of mine who says to me, Pastor, I'm really mad at you today. This was just past week, Wednesday. and I said, oh, I'm sorry, what did I do wrong? He goes, your sermon just kept preaching in my mind, I was I was ready to get so angry and then I kept hearing you say, be slow to anger because your anger doesn't produce righteousness. And I went, that's not me, bud. That's the Holy Spirit speaking in you. Oh, but I said, I'm glad that you heard the service that you could definitely remind reminded constantly every week that God is saying, you don't need to get angry. I wish you would do that with me for driving in the state of Michigan. But we need to be slow to speak slow to anger that's the practical aspect of living for christ we talked about that last week the idea of being quick to listen is a skill that needs to be fostered and developed so what i hear you saying is that's a great place to start when you want to learn how to listen so what i hear you saying and then you repeat it back and it gives that person an opportunity to know if you're both on the same page in this book of life And if you're not, the person can clarify and say, no, that's not what I was saying. This is what I was saying. So it's a great way to start there. Then we looked at the slow to speak, and I shared a lot of quotes from people. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, it's better to remain silent and be thought of as fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Such a great word, great wisdom there. God is. Is speaking and we need to be quick to listen I think that's what many of us need to be doing we need to be slow to speak lastly we looked at the thought that God said our anger produces nothing so we don't need to be angry that we need to be slow to anger it's the best practice when it comes to people it's the best, best practice when it comes to people who offend you. Be slow to anger. There's just way too many people on Facebook, way too many people on Twitter, way too many people on social media. I talked about it last week. In, in the bars, people will drink, these men will get drunk and they get liquor strong. I find it so annoying because they think they can beat up the whole world as they're drunk. No, that does nothing for you. Neither does you being angry on Facebook and screaming and yelling and caps letters at people about their political views. So be slow to anger. Does that mean we don't stand up for righteousness? Absolutely not. You should stand up for righteousness. We're called to stand up, stand up for the truth. But you don't need to get angry with people. And then we looked about at the implanted word of God which is able to save our souls, which is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flashing dwelt among us. We looked at Jesus Christ. Racism is not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. We're sinning against people we're supposed to be loving. I remember, and I have, I'm totally digressing off the story here that I have written down, but I was in Detroit with my buddy Omar and we were walking down the street. We were about 16, 17 years old, got pulled over by the cops. We were walking They pull over and they said, what are you two thugs doing out here? We weren't doing anything but going to his house. We were walking down the street. I'll never forget throwing up against the car, asked a bunch of questions. We were called that a couple of thugs were walking down the street and you two were out here. So we want to arrest you. And I thought, We're not doing anything so we just did what the officer said and then he followed us all the way home as we walked and I thought to myself how crazy is that yet that's the world we live in today that's the world we live in today the real issue that James is writing to the church is that Jesus is the savior of your souls Jesus is the savior of your souls. Jesus is the one who's going to change the hearts of people and the minds of people. But they need to listen to him. They need to not speak. and They need to be slow to anger. Today we're going to expand on this concept. When you listen to the word of God, don't just listen to the word of God, but be doers of the word of God. That's what James is telling us today. Being doers of the word of God. We're going to be looking at what it means to do and obey, not just listen. Because yes, we need to stop and listen, but we also need to do what are Christians called to do. He's also going to give us an illustration of what it looks like for those who listen and don't do the word of God. He's going to tell us what it's like for those who hear the word of God and then don't do it. So with that being said, let's get into the word of God together. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. Pat, that's still not on back there, but it says this, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts will be blessed in his doing. Let me break this down for you guys. Be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Let me try and make this as clear as possible. Being doers of the word is not only about doing what Christ says, but it's also about understanding that we can't do all things and be all things for all people. Paul admonishes us to try to do those things, try to be all things for all people, but we are not going to be able to. It's just not in our nature. We're not able to be all things to all people. Yes, we can try. However, understand that God is calling us to show people Him. Point people to Him. Take them to Him. When they have issues, take them to God. So know the scriptures. That's what Christians are a really admonished to do. Know the Word of God. Know the law. Meditate it on it day and night. So that when people ask you, why do you have the hope that you have? You're able to give them an answer. Because we have faith, not blind faith. We have actual faith, because our faith, which is at the top, we trust. That's what the word in Greek means is to trust. We trust that the knowledge we have from the word of God is based on evidence. So we have faith because of the knowledge of God that he gave to us in the word, and the word is based on the evidence that we can prove that the word of God is true. That's what faith is. It's not just being blind. It's not believing something you don't know. It's actually understanding that we know something because the evidence proves it to us. We're having faith in the truth, and the truth will set us free. Take people to God. It's not about being something that we're not and underwhelming people with our gospel but being overwhelming them with God's gospel. His good news, not mine. That's why there's so many divisions in Christianity today. They think they got it. They think they understand it. And We're smarter than you. We're better than you. I know you guys grew up in this area in Grand Rapids. I know you think that there are churches that actually think this way. Oh, you're a Baptist? Oh, can't talk to you. Oh, you're a this? Oh, well, you must know it all understand something God's the one who knows it all God's the one we need to be pointing people to It's his gospel I can't save anyone's life but I can point people to Christ who can save their life if we're doers of the word even if those people who don't know Christ or choose to not know Christ they need to see the truth of Christ and always be pointed to him and his standards. That's the issue today. I had someone say to me once, well, pastor, you can't expect non-believers to, to believe what Jesus taught, can you? You're right, I don't expect them to believe that. Here's what I do think, though. I'm gonna always point him to his standard, not my own. And I'm always gonna hold them to his standard, not my own. That's unfair. No, it's not. It's loving. It's loving because it's his standard that's gonna save them not mine that's what's good that's what the good news is all about his standard Jesus is the Savior not me so what does it mean what does it mean to be a doer of the word what does that mean we talked about the implanted Word of God and us receiving it last week receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior's correct He is our Savior, and that's the greatest news of all. However, there's something else he is for us. He's our teacher. He's our teacher. And if we're disciples, we need to learn from him, correct? He teaches us what God wants us to know. And what are some of his teachings for us? Let me share some of his teachings for you. First, he teaches us with parables, and he teaches us a lot with parables. And I think that's so that those who don't understand will never understand, and those who do need to understand will understand. I hope that makes sense. Because he first teaches with parables, and then he explains those parables to his disciples so they would know for certain what his teachings mean. Here's some of Jesus' teachings. Here's his famous teaching. Here's the biggest one you're going to find most pictures made of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' famous teachings. He taught us the kingdom of God and what that was like, and he taught us how we're to live practically. For example, the Beatitudes Blessed are the poor in spirit, for those who are humble and understand their position in the kingdom of God because they will find the kingdom of heaven, Jesus Christ. That's what he taught. He goes through and he says, be humble, be poor in spirit. Believe and receive Jesus Christ as your savior because when you do, you get the kingdom of heaven. The blessings that Christians, the followers of Christ, the doers of Christ and his teachings, describe the inner qualities follower of Christ. That's what that does for us. Jesus is going to talk more about this later in chapter, sorry, James is going to talk about this more later in chapter four. But the blessings that we receive are blessings that we receive really in the future. And I'm not just talking about here on earth, but I'm also talking about what's going to happen in heaven. Because James says this in chapter four, what is man but a vapor? we're here out of our strength maybe 70, 80 years. What is man but a vapor? So understand what he's trying to teach us. We don't have a lot of time here on earth, and your eternity is of the utmost importance. And that's really what the Sermon on the Mount is all about, pointing them to the truth, pointing them to Jesus Christ. There are many more teachings on the sermon, but I don't have time to go in through all of them. So let me go to the next teaching. How about this one? He taught us about what it means to be a follower of Christ. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 27 through 30, he said this, all things that have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 28, come to me, Jesus is saying, all who labor and are heavy burden or laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Think about the teaching for a moment. Following Christ, you're gonna find rest for your souls. Life is hard. How many of us think that life is not hard? Life is hard. It doesn't make sense. Things don't seem to add up. Life becomes hard sometimes, and the rest is something that we're all looking for in this life. If you go talk to your doctor, eat right, exercise, and find some rest. The most healthiest people in the world today are the ones who can get eight hours of sleep. How many of you get eight hours of sleep? Why are the healthiest people in the world the ones that get eight hours of sleep? How many of us wanna make them unhealthy? Just kidding. However, we can't find rest in your boat. You can't find rest in your cabin up north. You can't find rest in your job. You can't find rest in your doctors. You can't find rest in your pastor's teachings. You can only find rest in Jesus Christ. When this life hits hard, and it hits hard, who are you gonna turn to to find rest? My hope and my prayer is that you'll find Christ. Because he's the only rest you'll ever need. He's the only rest you'll ever need. Do you know this church? Do you believe this church? How about another teaching from Jesus? Matthew chapter 13 verse 24 through 30. He teaches us about the farmer who goes out to sow seeds in his field. Some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they were withered away. All of the seeds fell among thorns. I'm sorry. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and were choked them. And the seeds that fell on good soil produced grain: some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He who has an ear, let him hear. Jesus says. Jesus used parables because he knew that the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have not been given to all who hear. He knew that. He used parables. He even says that. But to those who believe in Jesus Christ, they get the understanding. He says, I speak to them, he said, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. For this people's hearts have grown dull, and with their ears they barely hear, and their eyes have been closed. Least should they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. and turn, I would heal them, Jesus says. Many people don't want Jesus to be right in the truth because they don't want it to be right in the truth. They want to be right in the truth. They don't want him to be the way to heaven because they choose to not want him to be that way. That's just the truth of it conversation with atheists constantly all the time. They don't want to believe in Jesus Christ because if they do, they're going to have to change. And God is a cosmic killjoy. That's their biggest argument. God doesn't do things the way they want God to do things. So they can't believe that God is real. They do it all the time. That's the biggest argument I hear constantly. If God would have just stopped this from happening, I would have believed that he was real. Let me ask you a question. If God would have stopped it from happening, where's love? Because ultimately, love does not make you do something. Love affords you the opportunity to do something. And if God were to take away your choices, whether that's evil or that's righteous, it's unloving. So for God to stop somebody from driving drunk or pulling a trigger takes away his characteristics of love. He's never gonna do that. He allows us to make choices to know whether or not we love him or not. And he asks us to make the right choices, to follow him. Many people don't want Jesus to be right, the way and the truth because they want to be the right, the way, and the truth. They choose to find excuses for not following Christ because they think they know better than God. They do. If you don't believe me, go talk to people. I know this is a problem. This has been the problem since the beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden. I know that this might sound harsh, but get out of the way. Their issue is that they believed they knew better than God. They listened to Satan and went, you know what? That fruit looks good to eat. God told us not to eat it. But I'm going to eat that because it looks good. And Satan kept saying, yeah, man, that stuff's good. Go eat it. And Adam, being silent, watched his wife do it. He didn't say a word. Happy wife, happy life. Wrong. Stop appeasing your wife that way, men. Start living up to the truth. A happy wife is a man, a woman who's married to a man who follows God, who looks to God for understanding. Listen to God, hear God, learn from God, learn from Jesus. Find a church that doesn't just tickle your ears. You can find them. You can go out there right now and find churches that are going to tell you everything you want to hear. You can have your best life and have it right now. You come to my church, I'll give you everything. If you give, God will give tenfold back to you. You can have your best life now. Sure, go ahead. I love that our our youth pastor. Preaches to our kids. You got about this much time in your life, and then the rest of it goes all the way to the end. It's called eternity. What are you going to do when this time is done here on earth and you got all of eternity? You want your best life now or your best life after? I appreciate that teaching. Kyle nailed it. Find a church that doesn't tickle your ears. Don't be lied to. Like James said earlier, learn from someone who's willing to study the Word of God, not just worry about how many people are in their church. How do we keep all these people happy? It doesn't matter. Because God wants His people to know Him, not me, not them. As a pastor, you always need to be pointing people to Christ, not yourself. That's one of the very first things we learned at Moody. Point people to Jesus, because you will never be enough. And I had pastors. I was working. I wasn't a pastor. At that time, I was in seminary. And I remember pastors having struggles with, well, you don't know what it's like. I have a small church. I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to do this. I need to do this, and I need to do this. And I have all these other roles that I have to fulfill. You don't know what it's like. I can't do that. I have to be all things. My seminary professor went, you'll be burned out soon. So I know I've said this to you many times. I can't be all things to all people here. And I will fail you. That doesn't mean that I'm not praying for you. It doesn't mean that I don't love you. But I will fail you one way or the other. Just talk to each of yourselves. You know I failed you already. But Jesus Christ will never fail you. God will never fail you. Seek Jesus and you're going to find him. Because here's Jesus' example of the sower. Here's the parable so that no one's confused. Verse 19 When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That's what it was sown along the path. Verse 20. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulations and persecutions arise on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. This is what we're seeing in the world today, guys. You're seeing people turn from the truth because they never really had the truth in them. Trials and persecutions caused them to run from the word, and they immediately fall away. Hawk Nelson's lead singer. How many of you heard the example of him? He's denounced Christianity. Hawk Nelson's lead singer. You all know that song, Drops in the Ocean? I'm sure you've heard it. He now doesn't believe that God is real. He's walked away from the faith he struggled he says he posted something online it took me a long time but i just don't think god is real and he answered he puts all these questions out there about well if god was good he would have stopped all these things from happening if god was good there wouldn't be evil in the world if god and this those things have been answered those things have been answered by men like robbie Zacharias, who passed away william lane craig dr frank turk sean mcdowell vince vitale some of these great apologists out there who answer these tough questions with love and compassion, but they do it with the truth of Jesus Christ. It makes me sad. That's part why part of my master's degree was all about apologetics, is so that I can answer and give a hope. We are to destroy. Let me say this again. We as Christians are to destroy, understand what that means, every lofty opinion against the knowledge of God. If you don't believe me, go check it out. 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Our job is to be able to do that kind of stuff. Don't be alarmed, though. Don't be alarmed that many will fall away. Jesus said that it's going to happen in the end times in Matthew chapter 24. The love of many will grow cold because the increase in lawlessness and their love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So getting back to the sower, verse 22, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world out and prove it to be unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, and in one case, a hundredfold, and another 60, and another 30. doesn't matter what size your church is. It matters what they're hearing. Are they hearing the word of God? Are they understanding the word of God? Are they being doers of the word of God? How about another teaching from Jesus? I think this one's the most important of all. God's grace and our time left to come to him is is short. Listen to Luke chapter 15 and hear the words of God. Listen to what he says. And then he said to them, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still long off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22 But the father said to his servants, Bring the, quickly the best robe and put it on him put on a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring a fattened calf and kill him and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now was found. they began to celebrate. Now his older brother was in the field when he came and he drew near to the house. He heard the music and the dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked them, what are these things that have meant that are happening? He said to him, your brother's come home. Your father killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and treated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this, your son who came, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fat calf for him? And he said to him, son, you're always with me. And that all that is mine is yours. It's fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and now is alive. He was lost and now is found. That's the story of everyone you see today. That's the story of the prodigal son. We've all been the prodigal son. We've all been there. We all still keep running from God. And yet there's still hope for us. God runs to us with grace and with mercy and with love. He's saying that you have time to come to him, come back to him. If you've left God and you've turned from God, he's always there, always willing to run to you. That's the truth of it. He welcomes you back. Are you gonna run? Are you gonna turn from your ways? That's the message Jesus is teaching here. Turn from your ways. Come back to God. He's there for you. Be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. Do me a favor, church. Don't forget what you look like. Don't do it. We all use mirrors in our lives, right? What is their purpose? Women, let me ask you a question. When you put on makeup, do you use a mirror or do you do it by memory and hope you get everything? Here's another question. Men, when you shave, do you do it by memory or do you actually look in a mirror? What's the purpose of a mirror? James is saying it like this James is saying here, the Word of God is like a mirror. Looking into a mirror only works if it leads to actions. Let me say this again. Looking into the Word of God is like a mirror, and it's only good if it produces actions. Many of us read the Word of God for 15 minutes. I did my 15-minute devotion, and then turn the other way and it would go walk. We don't care what God says. We just, hey, I did my thing. Otherwise, it becomes a useless thing. A mirror becomes useless unless it leads to actions. All it's good for a mirror is the staring at yourself. What does the Word of God do for you? What does the word of God reveal for you? Does it tell you that your prayer life's bad and that you need to start working on that and you need to start changing it? Does it tell you that your fasting life needs to work on? If you've never fasted before, you should consider doing that so you can get to know who God is. What does the word of God teach you? Are you really doing it? Roger Ellsworth puts it this way, there's no more urgent business before us than addressing those matters in our lives which the word of God has called to our attention. But how many refuse to do so? They're like this witch doctor who saw herself in a mirror owned by a missionary. The figure before her was so hideous that she jumped back from it. Immediately she began to bargain with the missionary for the mirror. Realizing that she would not take no for an answer, the missionary finally agreed to a deal for the mirror. No sooner was the transaction complete than the woman grabbed the mirror and smashed it on the ground. When the missionary asked why did she do this, the woman replied, it would, it wouldn't make, let me say this again, the woman replied, it won't be making ugly faces at me anymore. The Bible reveals our ugliness to us. But the ugliness does not go away by us ignoring the Bible. It only goes away when we take the proper measures. When we can be thankful that James includes another option. Look at it with me, verse 25.
1: But the one who looks
0: into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Be not hearers who forget, but a doer who acts. The word in Greek here for looks is pericopido. It means to look into, thoroughly look, peer into. It is active. To try to find our something. It's to try to find out something as well, intellectually, with focus on satisfying one's curiosity. Are we doing that with the Word of God? James says that when we look into the Word of God, it's the perfect law of liberty. Satan says that sin is the greatest freedom ever, and God's Word is the greatest bondage. That's completely false. Thomas Mann, the clerk of Westminster Abbey, and chaplain to Oliver Cromwell, Who was the famous Lord of England in the 1600s said this duty is the greatest liberty sin is the greatest bondage James uses this phrase for God's word ought to make us realize how very blessed we are to have it a mirror to show us the truth about ourselves the law that gives us liberty If we could only realize to a fuller degree what we possess in God's word, we would find ourselves struggling less to be thoughtful gazers. What are you doing with the word of God? What are you doing with the teachings of Jesus Christ in your life? I pray that many of us are doing the very things Jesus taught. Which is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors, you love yourselves. He says this, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's what God is calling us to do. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. If we wanna be doers of the word, let's love one another. Christians love each other. Yes, we can love those who are struggling, those who don't know God. Yeah, that's part of our job. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. Yeah. But remember, this book is written to the churches. These letters were written to the churches. They weren't written to the outside world. They were written to the people who claim to follow Jesus. So they're struggling with lying, cheating, stealing, adultery. Sex, immorality, impurities, the church. This is a wake-up call, hopefully, for the church. You all and myself are not perfect. He wrote these letters to us so that we could be different, so that he can change us from the inside out, so we can love each other well. That's what he's calling us to do. Yeah, love the outside world. Pray for the protesters. Pray for people who are angry. Pray for people who want justice, but the only justice they're ever going to get is through God's Word. So point them to God. But you got to start doing it yourself too. Encourage one another. Grow each other together. Edify each other with wonderful words. Singing praises. Giving holy kisses to each other. Don't do that now, because then you'll spread the virus and people will die, but love each other well. That's what God is telling us to do being doers of the word. It's all action. Help us to love each other well. After this, right now I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to try to love each other well by having a wonderful meal together. A wonderful meal. I thank you for all you who have cooked. I thank you for all you who put together something for us to have so that we can have fellowship together. We're going to go outside and we're going to be in the open air. We're going to show the world the giant metropolitan area of Moline. For those of you listening online, I think there's maybe 200 people who live in Moline. We're gonna try to be out there to show the world that we love each other well, that we're trying to do things rightly. Don't ride a motorcycle, because you could die. No, ride a motorcycle, but put a helmet on and wear leathers. Don't drive a car because you could die. No, drive a car, but wear a seatbelt because it saves lives. Don't go out unnecessarily. Sure, but if you do, wear a mask because that helps protect others. That's caring, that's loving. But you don't have to. But do what God is calling us to do. Love each other well. Care for each other well. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and we ask, Lord, I'm begging. I'm begging for us to be quick to hear your word, quick to be doers of your word, slow to speak, and slow to anger, because we know that anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So Lord, we wanna put away all filthiness in our church. We wanna put away all rampant wickedness in our church and we wanna receive with meekness, the implanted word, Jesus Christ, who's able to save our souls. Lord, I pray that we are doers of the word with each other, not just hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Many have gone to church and many a pastor before me and many a pastor after me are just gonna deceive people I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't. I pray, Lord, that we would be hearers of the Word of God and doers of the Word of God. Because you've called us to action. For, Lord, when we look to just ourselves, we go away and we forget what we look like, but your Word shows us what the perfect law, the law of liberty, is, and we can persevere by not just being hearers of the word who forget, but doers who act. And that's what we can be blessed with. So God, I just pray for this time. Pray for this people. I pray for the worship after this. That you would be glorified in all that we do. I Thank you for today. We pray it all. In Jesus' name. Amen.